Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 4 p.m. Central, and I get to hand you off to my partner, Kristen, which means this must be... Even got through the whole uh, image uh, slider. So everybody got time on on screen there with the music. Yeah, I was actually kind of thinking about the jingle of Rudolph or Merry Christmas and that (laughs) (laughs) blaring in my ears. And I had to come back into the now that it was Friday Eve. Friday Eve and Pillars of Franchising with our new opening. Yeah. Things as we go into the new year to make everything a little bit bigger and better as we go along, right? That's right. Out with the old and with the new. There you go. Goodbye, 2021. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> yeah. Let's I keep again. Right along. Again. I, I keep thinking of this Bob Seger's uh, lyric that says, "Sweet 16 turning 31," and I keep thinking, "Dear God, if it was only 31." Why do you got to bring up age, Fred? What you think about as the calendar flips yet another yeah. year you go. I mean, I do have to say thank you because I did listen to last week's show and I appreciated you wishing me a happy birthday. And, and it was great because I didn't know Heidi and I shared like the same birthday kind of week. We were pretty close in days. So that was very nice. Thank you all for that. I appreciate it. But um, I know what you're doing there. Not really. I actually used to listen to Bob Seger all the time because it's my dad's favorite, but I don't know that 1631 thing. I guess I'm a little still too young for that. The, the song was Rock and Roll Never Forgets. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, and that's the <laughs> lyric. Not in all it. the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I just know the I just know the chorus. Rock and Roll Never Forgets. That's uh-huh. all I know. And mm-hmm. at, that's all at, I can sing. Exactly, and, and we won't talk about age anymore. So okay. I'm going to go take care of some things while you two deal with. Word on the street. Word on the street. Elizabeth, what's the word on the street? So the word on the street is we've had, you know, another year where we had a lot of virtual stuff, um, but we did get back in person a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And with 2022 on the forefront, we're not sure exactly which direction, you know, stuff's going to go. But um, there are studies coming out showing that some of the things that that presented themselves during the pandemic are going to stick around, like uh, virtual conferences, virtual discovery days. There, people are embracing the possibility that we won't have to always be in person and that there are options. And and right. so a lot of people are planning to continue offering hybrid options. Which, you, know, you know, I think it's a plus. Not everybody has a really great ability to travel when you, when you look at people with young children or single yeah. parents or any of those things. That can be a limiting factor in life. So the fact that we're opening that up and as we go back in person, you still may have the option of, of virtual events, I think is, is kind of an exciting thing. Well, I have very mixed feelings on this. Yeah. 
you know, because I am somebody who with three kids and all, all being teenagers, all of them being way smarter than me, right? Because well, all teenagers are way smarter than their parents and having, yeah. And, you know, so for me, getting away from my house <laughs> is a huge benefit, especially if there's like something going on and we're going to a different city. I'm like, hell yeah, get me out of here. And, oh, by the way, yeah, that may be Tuesday through Thursday, but I got to leave on Monday and come back Saturday and I book a day at the spa. So well, I'm one of those yeah. people, yeah, I mean, I kind of like getting out of town now and then. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think you're still going to have the option because according to the survey, uh, 73% of businesses that plan on focusing on in-person events will still offer virtual ones. So it's not cutting you out. It's not saying you can't come. Uh-huh. Um but a lot of times they're going to be an option for either. So, I mean, I think it's good on both sides. I, I Now that mine are older also, I would like to get out more. I'm yeah. travel, you know, when we went to Chicago for our Pillars team meeting, and then you and I um, visited our guests today in South Florida for our yes. retreat. Um, yeah. Those were amazing opportunities to get away from your normal routine and get recharged and, and excited about what's to come. So, yeah. You know, there's a huge benefit to be in person. I I couldn't have been happier to be out of my house. Well, and as all of this pertains to franchising, I mean, I do yeah. think um, I, I like to always wrap all that up because that's what we're all about. But you know, the the biggest thing that I was fearful of as all of this began was what does a discovery day look like? Mm-hmm. Because it used to be you go and you meet the whole home office team, you get to go out, and for us anyway, we went with a group, we went to a house, we actually about what it was like to, to be an employee. And it was a, it's amazing experience. Our discovery day also happened to be at one of the uh, annual meetings. So we went to Disney World, which well, that was pretty cool too, right? You well, yeah. dined and dined and all this extra stuff. And so big benefits. But um, the franchisors have worked really hard to make sure that the digital or virtual discovery days are really valuable. And, it, and the difference is for people, and most people we find um, are still, and really, really should still be locked into their careers um, as they're going through this journey for multitudes of reasons of which we've talked um, about. But it really makes sure if you're in that virtual discovery day that you are using your time wisely and you're not necessarily having to take days off for vacation to travel somewhere. And the franchisors, I believe, are really being uh, more strategic about what information they give you. There's not so much fluff in there. So it's not so much wine and dine, but it's meat and potatoes. And I think that that is far better suited for those professionals that are still working well, they investigate the right opportunity for them. And so there are certainly some pros to doing a virtual discovery day. So as it pertains to franchising, virtual versus in-person, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. And, and you pointed out as we go into introducing our, de- our guest today, um, you know, for me, and even when I met all of you here on the show, we had most of us met only virtually. And then when we finally got to meet in person, it was like, oh, of course you are who you are, right? Because we had formed such a great relationship on air and virtually that when you met somebody face-to-face, you truly already knew them. 
So well, it's kind of but you know, there is there is something about that human connection face to face and being relieved that they are in fact exactly who you thought they were. That was that was exciting to me that when we got together as a team, I thought, oh thank God, they're all exactly what I expected. Yeah. So I mean there is something valuable to that and I think at some point it is important to me face to face, but the fact that it's not necessary on a particular schedule now we have a little more flexibility in when that happens and how that yeah. happens. And I think we've all gotten so used to the digital age. online, then that's great. If you struggle without meeting someone face-to-face, -face, then you may need to push for that in-person discovery yeah. day. So, I mean, you really have to know what works for you, I think, yep. individually, as well as what works for the organization. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And again, you know, just a reminder as we talk about this tied back into franchise and this discovery day, the most number one ultra important thing is that you're validating with other owners. So everything that you suspect to be true or not true in that virtual discovery day, talk to the other owners and they'll tell you if you're spot on or not. So yep. that's really the proof in the pudding if you ask me. Absolutely. Excellent. On that note. Yeah, let's talk about the proof in the pudding. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna go to our first commercial break and when we come back, we've got a very special guest who is also a partner and good friend of mine. Awesome. Um, so stay tuned, you don't wanna miss it. Very good. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westbine with a y.com. Yay. Ray, I feel like it's Christmas. It it could be. It could yeah, be. It's getting close. I mean, it's getting today is the 23rd. Yeah. That means tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Wow. And it's, I feel I feel like we got a Christmas present early with this guest that we have on. I'm sure we do. Yeah. She has to unwrap the bow and take herself off mute though. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> now the bow is off. The package has been opened. Ray, tell everyone who our special guest is today. Well, our guest is Nancy Corpenning, and she is the right, she has the right priorities that will lead to success and build value critical for business owners. Her specialty is working with women entrepreneurs who, whose business businesses are building in the building and growth stages. Then, as they navigate through the challenges of scaling, she helps prioritize strategy, structure, staffing, practices, and systems and processes. And from there, I think it's best if she tells her story because then it really gets interesting. <laughs> so, 
Welcome, Nancy. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. It is a real pleasure to be here and get to celebrate the holidays with all of y'all. Yes, such a gift for us, actually. <laughs> We're so glad to have you here. Please My tell, pleasure. Our, tell our audience what you're up to today. Today, um, well, um, we live in Southwest Florida and um, moved here about two and a half years ago from Atlanta. And so we experienced what folks in this area, the Fort Myers area, call traffic. Um, and um, we didn't call it traffic. We kind of laughed and said, we're going 65 miles an hour. This isn't traffic. Right. <laughs> so just out doing a little shopping, we went for one one quick errand turned into five stops. <clears throat> so <laughs> it was uh, a lot of not traffic. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, oh, goodness. My husband is uh, busy uh, making a whole bunch of beef wellingtons. Yeah. And um, as a private chef, that's his, his uh, fun thing to do. And so we needed a, a couple more ingredients for a couple of late orders. Awesome. But we know that your type of fun extends well beyond the beef wellington. Yes. And it yes, started yes, yes. way, 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 way back. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your professional experience that has led you to the CEO School for Women, which you currently sure. run. Yes. Um, I generally introduced myself as the original corporate refugee because it took me two tries to actually escape the clutches of corporate America. Um, my first career was in professional publishing, uh, specifically professional medical publishing, and three different companies. And each time I would go into a company, we build it up, make it profitable, and boom, it got sold. Mm -hmm. And I just got <laughs> tired of this. And I said, this isn't the way it's supposed to work. And right. it was the beginning of the Bainization of America. Um, Bain and Company perfected that, um, tearing apart and tearing pieces of companies apart. And I just couldn't quite figure it out. So um, I, after I pushed the eject button the first time, I said, I need time to think and figure this out. So right. um, I decided to take a two-year sabbatical and become a Peace Corps volunteer. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Papua New Guinea, which if you don't know where it is, go to the end of the earth and turn left. Yes. <laughs> yes. I hear it's it not is, glamorous there. There's no glamour no, there. No. No, they don't know that word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is go like going back in time a little bit. But I learned so much more about this country than I did about that one by being distant from it. Mm -hmm. And I explained to folks that it really created a new lens through which I see everything differently now. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for electricity, <laughs> water I don't have to boil. I'm serious. I go into groceries and I get very nervous because there's too much stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when I came back, I needed to do something else. And the only, uh, industry that hadn't changed in two years was publishing. So <laughs> what I did instead was, uh, 
reconnect with some of my friends and a mutual friend introduced me to uh, a woman who we had known of each other since we were both with Time Warner companies previously. Um, but she invited me down to Atlanta and uh, uh, long story short, I became part of the management team that started up WebMD. Nice. Um, I love technology. I am a techno geek. Um, and it's the only thing that upsets me is when technology doesn't work oh, me the way too. it's supposed to. Yeah. It is like I have to read, or if I have to read directions. Directions yeah. about yeah. technology, I'm out. Can't do it. This is why I love Apple. It, it stuff just works. Yeah. <laughs> and if it doesn't, I get really, really ticked off. Yeah. So anyway, so I got to do some very fun things uh, at WebMD. Um, it was my first startup. I'd always been in big, old, established publishing companies. Um, but at a certain point, um, the original team uh, was bought out and again. Golden Parachuted. Yep. Happened again. And the priorities shifted. Yeah. And instead of us being all about good information for patients and physicians and other healthcare professionals, um, it was all about watch guys watching their stock options. Um, so after about six years of that, measured in dog years, um, I said, now this is not working. Also because the headquarters had moved by then to New York from Atlanta. And I had already done New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, a lot of places up north where there is snow. And I was over it. I'd lived in the tropics for two years. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going back to that. That's so right. Atlanta it was. <laughs> um, and uh, so I um, pushed the eject button. I didn't realize that 99% of all businesses are small businesses, yeah, according crazy. to the Small Business Administration. Right. Yeah. Who knew? I had so thoroughly drunk the corporate Kool-Aid. Yep. I really believed that the sun rose and set um, with them. Yeah. And uh, not so. Just mm. not so. Yeah. And the other thing that I discovered was that small, the failure rate of small businesses was shockingly high and shockingly fast. Yep. And uh, so over time, um, I basically figured out why or some of the primary reasons mm -hmm. and discovered that it all goes back to business fundamental, nothing flashy, not, you know, do you have the latest cool tool? And believe me, I have all the latest cool tools. But, and you um, still I'm got wondering. golden parachuted, right? It didn't matter. You know, it's, it's okay. Right. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I decided to, to focus on my strengths. I am a planning. And uh, in particular, I love business models and um, exploring different ways of doing things and working with entrepreneurs. Um, uh -huh. My first real experience with, with that was um, getting to know uh, a bunch of my 
women, um, fellow women business owners in NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners, a, um, a wonderful organization. And my NABO sisters allowed me to learn all over. Right. So, Absolutely. And every I, business yeah. there is different, right? So you're learning all different types of business styles yep. and types, right? Yep. And it's so much easier when you are not in the first person looking at your business, but some right. you have that that objectivity. Um, mm-hmm. And somebody to, I always talk about reflecting back to people uh, what I see. Yeah. Um, because in particular, I think women, we're really hard on ourselves, much harder critics than uh, most anyone else. And sometimes that's okay, but boy, it can get toxic pretty fast. Sure. Let me ask you, Nancy, because, because of that particular group and so many people that you came across kind of in, in one big glug, if you will, because there are so many involved in that, what is one thing that you found all of those women had in common as they exited their corporate careers and went on into the entrepreneur area? Um, we thought that something that, and I include myself, obviously, we thought that we knew how to run a business. Ah. And we didn't. We really didn't. Okay. That was a new misnomer. Um, okay. Yeah. It's okay. different doing um, a startup or it going into a business that is smaller than uh, what you have generally worked in. I also think that there is a mindset shift that takes place. And um, while I was in corporate, I never really understood that some of the challenges I was facing were because I have an entrepreneurial mindset. I like options. I like to be creative. I like to try different ways of making things better all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not always welcome in the corporate world. Similarly, there are folks who are very much more comfortable with an employee mindset. That's fine. Sure. Also valid, but different. Yep. And so trying to think longer term about what do I want to accomplish in this business? Mm-hmm. And the way I put it is I ask my, my clients to think about what success means to them what is Mm -hmm. their definition in their particular situation and that's not that's a simple but not easy question right not even put a lot of thought into it right because you can whip something out but but to really stop and be well thought out Mm -hmm. but but it can be a key to what direction to take them absolutely i think it's essential as I tell people, if you don't know where you're headed, how are you going to know when you get there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's real important. Um, and so I love, I'm very curious, and I love to ask questions. So sure. I ask a lot of questions. Well, and you know, and, and we tend to get a lot of people um, that listen to the show and that, that call in and who, who solicit our assistance in buying franchises. Mm-hmm. who are currently in corporate America, they really, they, they're not exactly sure what they want to do, but they know they want something more, something yeah. different, right? I had a friend call me the other day and he said, you know, 
I'm going to this interview. I, I really want the job. Moreover, I really need the job, right? Because they're in a situation mm-hmm. where he's got this income. He has to have the income. But he said, but I can tell you in the next year to two, I, I really want to have my own business. There's so many things I really want to be able to do. But right now, I just, for my family, I can't afford to step out. So with somebody like that, Nancy, at what, like, how do you take somebody from, you know, they're, they're stuck, they're kind of trapped with those golden handcuffs, mm-hmm. but they know they want out. What kinds of questions and what kind of explorations do you do with yeah. them to help them transition this, out? It's really a much better time to be thinking about um, what you really want. Mm -hmm. um than any other time because you still have that safety net right um and um i think that one of the most important things that i didn't do until after i'd um already pushed the eject button is i didn't know any other business owners to talk with Mm -hmm. um and all my friends were in corporate or academia and you know that was pretty much it So I would encourage people to talk with a variety of folks who are already in uh, businesses that they think they might possibly be interested in. And I generally say, ask them what they wish they had known before Mm -hmm. they made that that initial leap. Yeah. Um, Because I I have found that... um, particularly smaller business owners are so generous with their time yeah. and uh, to, to help folks who are um, on a similar path mm-hmm. um, and sharing. Um, that's another huge change mm-hmm. from the corporate um, uh, personas is <laughs> um, finding colleagues Right. who are not competitive, they understand there is enough success out there for us all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know some of the people that we talk to um, as well, you know, especially when you're going into franchising, um, there's, a, again, I'll call them a misnomer in that they think, oh, it's a plug and play, right? And in, in some instances, <laughs> some, okay, yeah. a little bit, but you still have to know how to plan. And you talked a little bit about that, right? You have to have a business plan. You have to have goals. Even though you're going to be working with or under a corporate umbrella, so to speak, you Mm -hmm. have to define what your own values are within your business, your mission statement inside your business, Mm -hmm. right? Are those the kinds of things you work with? Do you work with people on those kinds of things? Absolutely. Um, It is so critically important to understand your priorities and your values um, before you you know, to use an expression to get into bed with somebody right. um, to, to because it becomes a marriage. And right. so you really want to understand what are the expectations and mm-hmm. how do they fit? So if you have yours established and a, basically understand what yours are going in, then you can very quickly uh, or more quickly recognize those that are not good fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things because sometimes, and this is true in any, any kind of relationship, you get dazzled by the initial romance of it. Yeah. Um, when it may not 
be quite um, quite really what you're looking for. And so I think it does take guidance. It takes really, really good advisors who right. are advocates for you and not, you know, just trying to sell you something. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, and you know we talk about that a lot. That was uh, when when I brought I bought my franchise, and I know um, Ray certainly when you bought yours too. And and I do think that's that's um, one of the things that we try to make sure the our mentor team here is that we are looking out for the people who are who are looking because it doesn't do anybody any good to make a bad match. You know, if your Absolutely. values don't align with a franchisor, what's the point? Because it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not seeing the same vision that they're seeing, again, it's not going to work. Everybody has to be aligned. So, yep. well, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit um, just briefly about the CEO School for Women. And if I've got some people sure. out there right now who are sitting at their desk, counting down on the clock going, oh, my gosh, 31 <laughs> more minutes central time until I get to go home for the holidays. I so don't want this job anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Where do they go to find the CEO School for Women? What can they expect to find there? How do they Mm -hmm. get in touch with you? All that. Well, great. We are a virtual learning community, first and foremost. Um, As I said, I like to focus mostly on foundational business skills. Mm -hmm. And so um, we offer a variety of different online courses. Um, everything from um, something I call the entrepreneurial vision quest, um, which is a really good place for people to start um, while they are still uh, in, uh, in corporate, um, just as a way to work through it. Because the way that, that we process people through that is first and foremost, helping them get in touch with themselves and their own values and what is important and what their, what their vision of success is. Sure. And it takes a while. And so I, we do everything from brief introductions to much longer term um, courses where you really get to know the other women in the class mm-hmm. and learn from them. Uh, as well. And I think that is one of the, the most important pieces that we offer is um, building community among people who have diverse backgrounds and experiences um, and, you know, perhaps getting to listen to some people who you wouldn't have thought to seek out before. Right, right. Excellent. And I so. understand um, that you have a spring retreat coming up? What's- yes. Um, I, I love to take online, offline occasionally too. And particularly now that I live in such a fabulous place um, <laughs> where we have really nice weather, uh, was only in the mid 70s, I think today. Um, but Darn. we're in a cold snap. Oh, well, I, it was know. 48 when I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm not getting out of bed until I have my sleep. <laughs> so. you know, it's the high point of the day and it's 44. So I, Ooh, I remember those days. Yeah. I have lived those days. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but anyway, so um, uh, we're going to do a spring 
uh, retreat in March, March 15th through the 19th uh, in uh, or near Fort Myers, Florida. Um, and it is an opportunity is very much the one that you and Elizabeth were talking about where it's a mindset reset. It's an opportunity to slow down enough and be able to um, sort of not have your regular day-to-day -day responsibilities, which uh, makes more energy available to, for you to think about what it is, where are you headed, and are you happy with that path? And if you're not, how do we help you to get you back on a path that you do want? So basically, how do I build a business that I love? Mm -hmm. And I think that is um, not everybody can do that, but um, we generally have a really interesting group of, of women. Um, and again, it's sharing among the whole, the whole group. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I, for the spring retreat, we're actually going to have um, a variety of speakers as well, um, other women business owners. So I think that is also just a really wonderful opportunity. Um, we have uh, a woman here who has an amazing, amazing story, but really in a, a phenomenal business. Um, if several of them, as a matter of fact, one is a physician, one is a, uh, a trained classical chef and sommelier um, who has a heritage farm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, Hearing those about those journeys um, right. is so inspiring. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And I think that um, for people who are sitting there, as I said, spring's a great time because now everybody's about to make their New Year's resolutions. And for people who are saying, I got I to gotta do something different. I just yeah. got to do something different. And um you know, I'm, I'm, I really am questioning, you know, what do I do after corporate America? Hopefully they can find CEO School for Women. Um, I know we'll certainly we're have on all our over. website. <laughs> yep, yep. We're and, all over the internet, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and CEOSchoolForWomen.com. Um, so uh, there's, there are lots of opportunities of, you know, new things coming up in the new year so people can dip their toes in. I'm really excited about the one that Elizabeth and I are collaborating on, which is a virtual book club uh, for women entrepreneurs and um, where we get together on Zoom, you know, once or twice a month and discuss um, the, the business book that we've selected for that month, as well as having some author visits too. Awesome. So that's going to be fun. Well, we certainly have somebody uh, right here on the show that would probably love to visit you one day as an author and has a, a business book. I'm sure he'd love to serve up to you on a platter. So there uh, you go. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll be flashing it your way, I'm sure. So that that Very would be great. Good. He's got a Very great story good. to tell. So Nancy Corpetting, CEO School for Women, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to having you join us some more because uh, I think that. What you're Absolutely. doing feeds really nicely into what we're trying to do for people who want to get out of the corporate grind 
and yeah. corporate refugees, as you call yourself as well, yep. and find something bigger and better and more fulfilling for their lives. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I hope you all have just a fabulous, fabulous holiday season. Safe Thank and you. happy. Merry Christmas. You as well. Merry Christmas and happy Merry New Year, Christmas. Nancy. Thanks so much. I just love hearing from Nancy and that retreat really was refreshing. It was beautiful weather and a, a lot of smart driven business women. Um, so we, we had some play time, but it was also very productive work time. Yeah. And I really do think that, um, you know, for people out there, it, you know, it's not just obviously hers is focused on women, but, you know, the friend of mine that called was a, was a man, and I used a lot of the same things that we talked about with Nancy, is the questions are still the same, right? It doesn't matter, male or female. You know, what are you really looking for? What do you really want to do? What are you trying to achieve? And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're looking for some balance in your life, it doesn't matter if you're a dad or a mom, right? I mean, the reality is you're still looking for balance, and you're looking to have more time, and you want to be your own boss, and you're tired of being downsized and bought out. And so, uh, and, and when important. people's values don't align, it creates quite an internal conflict, which has yeah. happened to both my husband and me at different times. And, you know, today I was going to work because I have always a lot to do, like we all do. And my mom and dad have sent Christmas cookies with the grandchildren. I'm, I'm eyes only for some reason. I know. Um, but I took a day off because I could. Yeah. You know, because what I do is I, I own my time. Yep. And it's a big deal. So um, having said that, I see that Jerry has come on. And so I'm going to leave you to, to it to talk about unionization and uh, some things going on in the business world. Yeah. Okay. Jerry, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I love your hat, Kristen. You, you know, look I can, beautiful I can, today. I can tickle your chin with my hat virtually. <laughs> Is my hair okay? You know, um, I've been... it looks great. Okay, I've been doing, you know, candy all day. So um, was Nancy great or what? I could just listen to her for some more if you want, although she, she left us, but uh, that would be she's, great. She's very compelling, and I'll tell you, um, she's very authentic and genuine, too. And when she talks to you, I mean, she really wants to know your story and understand who you are and what it is that you're looking to get out of your journey. And so I think that's what makes it interesting. We talked a, a little bit before uh, before she came on this week about the importance of, of matching somebody with a franchise and how important it is to truly understand who they are and what they're looking for. And when she talked today about their values, that is so critical that they have the same values and can match with the type of values that a franchisor has. Well, Kristen, one of the biggest reasons that franchisees end up being unhappy and leaving a franchise system is because they chose the wrong one. And it may very often is because their values don't match up with what yep. uh, the franchisor stands for. Um, yep. You know, no guilt here, no accusations, no nothing, because neither one may be wrong. It's just right. different. And uh, it may just not fit for them. And so, the things Nancy touched on, many of them are things we've all talked about in the past, and she's just reiterating it. And I, and I love that message because, yeah. you know, we, we just need to protect all those people trying to get into the uh, the franchise business and help everybody find success. Yeah, absolutely. And she said what, what my favorite phrase is, is that you should never be sold, right? 
buying a franchise, I hate even the word of buying because it, it's, it's an investment, first of all, and it really is more like a matchmaker. It is like a, it is like a marriage, right? Because, you know, when you do that, anybody who's done it before, and David and I have talked about this too, right? You know, you take everything you have, your 401k, it's your savings, it might be leveraging your house. It's not just writing a little check and saying, oh, here you go, we'll try our hand at this. That's not how it works. Well, you know, you're right. It's a, it's like uh, dating and working your way into a marriage because, uh, you know, I look at the whole investigating side, looking at multiple franchises as, you know, looking at the potential people you could be dating. And then, yeah. you know, once you find one or two of them and you go through validation and discovery day and those kinds of things, you know, that's just leading you further into that relationship until finally there's no sales that needs to happen. It's more about, it's more about just, you know, you making a decision that it's a great fit and that the yep. two of you, the franchisor and you as the franchisee should work together. So um, I agree with you. I think that's the way it ought to be looked at. And uh, a little pitch here. That's why I wrote this book, because people make the wrong decisions. I just heard a story today. Uh, a business here in town that's been open for less than two weeks is now closed part time because they they picked the wrong time of year to open. They're already in a crowded space. They were short of cash, so they tried to open on a shoestring. I mean, literally everything you could do wrong in a decision this big, because they put all of their family's finances into this thing, and it's likely I'm going to get called to try and help them dig their way out, and it's it's going to be a haul. So um, wow. pay attention and make the right decisions, and they'll, they'll love it. It'll be part of their family. It'll be something they rave about and maybe – passed down to their children, but uh, it's got to be right. Yeah. I mean, this is when, when, you know, you, you need to get some consulting about, you know, when you think you run out of money in just a mere number of weeks, clearly you haven't thought about what inventory costs, what build out costs, what the land and or rent is going to cost. I mean, there's so many upfront costs before you even open the door. I know, you know, I had a guy I talked to yesterday about buying a franchise and uh, he said, I'm, the good news is I'm not going to have to borrow money. I've got all this cash. And I go, why are you not borrowing money? That's just silly. I mean, the 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 the, uh, the interest is deductible. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. Yeah. Keep your cash. If you want to use it later on, once you have cash flow and you're making some money, you want to pay off your loan early, do it. But yeah. use other people's money, right? OPM. Yeah. Let's, let's and they've done that, made that mistake. I won't let anyone else make that mistake. I've done nope. it. Me too. Me too. So, well, Kristen, we need to talk about the subject of the day, right? Ooh. Tough subject for me. It is a tough subject. And, you know, most of us have been around a while, uh, have been on both sides of this in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. So nothing that I'm going to say here, nothing we're going to talk about is designed to take a, a stance one way or the other. There's no, there's nothing bad here. It's just a discussion about the impact on business. That's, that's the way it needs to be looked at. And we're talking about unionization. In particular, Starbucks has been on the radar recently because, um, you know, uh, the union is approach, uh, and remember, they're not a franchise system, right. but they're similar to a franchise system. So it's just a matter of time. Uh -huh. And we know the whole joint employer thing and all of that's mainly about uh, unionization. But here's the deal. And I'll share a smidgen of my story. I spent 24 years running uh, mechanical contracting companies where I had a great relationship with the union. My employees were all unionized. Uh, I would have lunch once or twice a month with the heads of the union. So we could talk about the things that I thought we could do that were innovative, that would bring more business our way, 
that were a little out of the union's norm, but mm-hmm. they saw the value of it because it created more hours and more jobs for their people. So right. we became kind of a partner in trying to make this work. So I've had exactly. great relationships with unions. Right. I, I don't see the need for them in a lot of areas today in the modern day, especially with the shortages of employees out there, because, you know, frankly, we're all paying everything that uh, we think we can, we can pay right now to keep the employees we've got and get more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can only speak for ourselves. We've got more benefits than, you know, most union based groups would have. So, you know, there's places where I think they're great and there's other places where I don't think they're necessary. And frankly, the franchise world, is an area that is more down to a small local uh, entrepreneur who opens a location or two and has, you know, five to 10 employees or something like that. Unless you're, you know, running a a larger food establishment like our friend David used to do, or, you know, you might have 50 or something like that. But at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, we're still on it all in it together. And so uh, I, I, I really see this as going down the wrong path for franchising. I do not think it will gain a lot of momentum, but you have to be careful and keep your eye on the ball because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I, I find, you know, we, in working for a big box retail before, it was always a battle. Um, we always had, you know, oh, you know, the, the, both sides, right? We didn't want the union to come in, and there was half that wanted the union to come in. And, you know, we had great founders, Bernie Marcus, Arthur Blank, and they always talked about the importance of, if you always do the right thing for your people, if you're always transparent, if you always treat them right, if you're always doing like, in this case, we did a lot of profit sharing and everybody was aligned and you really did. I mean, it still is, it sounds, I mean, they used to say, you know, my, my husband used to say, oh, you drink the Kool-Aid. And I said, well, actually we all just bleed orange, right? And it was kind of this silly thing we used to say, but undoubtedly there was a culture, right? And so most of us had no interest in bringing a union in because quite frankly, we were pretty happy with what we had. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes companies lose sight of doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. And that's what tends to get those kinds of actions started because people aren't happy. They think well, they need someone to protect them. Yeah. And you know, uh, Elon Musk talks about this all the time. You know, you take great care of your employees and, and you don't have to, the employees will take care of the customers. And before long, it all just works out. I tell, right. I told my, I've told my employees for my whole career, I don't make money until you do. So I'm going to take great care of you and make sure you can take care of your families so that you keep showing up for work with a smile on and put your time in and take great care of the people um, who, who give us money, you know? So I think that's the same with any business. And, and frankly, let's just be very upfront about this. If a franchisee is not taking great care of their employees, then they're probably going to lose out in the long run anyhow, because I doubt their business is going to continue to move forward. I think it's going to shrink and go backwards. So yeah. whether the union comes in or not, I think the handwriting's on the wall. Um, I don't see this labor issue going away for many years. I think it's going to be an ongoing struggle for a while. So you simply have no choice but to take great care of your employees. And you do not need a union to do that because as many people have found out in the past, if you're getting well taken care of, like you were in your corporate career where you were happy and you just didn't need anybody else. And yet you do end up unionized. Many times you're just giving money to the union that you would have kept yourself because your employer was already giving you that. So um, I just don't see it as a real fit for the franchise world. And uh, I know from my standpoint, we're going to continue to take great care of our employees so that they have no question 
in their mind that they don't need to deal with one more component in their life. Yep, that's great, Jerry. And I, and I hope that's true too. You know, I don't want people to get scared away having to deal with yet another layer of complication in running a small business. So thank you for that. As always, we appreciate all the research and, and assistance that you give us here on the show and all the great advice. And we certainly wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Glad to hear that you and all the craziness of your in your world right now, all the things you're doing, you still had time with your granddaughter this morning to make Christmas candies. It's the small things in life, Kristen. It's what we work for, right? That, that's why we do what we do. That's why we're in business for ourselves, right? You bet. Merry Christmas to you too, Kristen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jerry. Hey, hey, you're back. I am back. Um, awesome. That was great information from Jerry, as always, um, yeah. and things that we don't always think about. And I think people get polarized sometimes about particular issues. And what you said was so great that if you're taking care of your employees, we don't even need to go there. You know, that's yeah. key to everything. Well, um, and, you know, th there's arguments for both sides, right? And, yeah. you know, my dad was always a union worker and, and you know, sometimes he'd complain. And, but it's, you know, when safety issues are underfoot, that's a different story. Sometimes you have situations in which you, you certainly need a union there so that the company, again, we go back to, does the right thing for the right reason at the right time. Exactly. Spend yeah. the money where they need to because maybe without a union they wouldn't. But yeah, that's, you yeah, know, my dad a is, a, is a lawyer and a big history guy. And he brought up, he was giving my kids a, a history lesson on how unions were formed and the safety issues and child labor laws and yep. some of the good things that came from all that. So it's nothing is simple and nothing is black and white. But I think when you make good choices, then you can simplify things so much faster and easier. Yeah. Um, but before we go to David, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the website and the magazine if you're looking to buy a franchise. Right. Everything you could want to know is on pillarsoffranchising.com. And we're also offering special deals if you're looking to get some exposure for your business. We are happy to help you get your word out on all of our platforms. So yeah. you can email me directly at Elizabeth at pillarsoffranchising.com. And just give a quick plug next week, um, we're doing a pre-record because we are all gonna take a little time with our families, but we have some really great guests. We've got Paul Pickett of Wild Birds Unlimited, um, who is delightful, yes. and Patrick Vendaro of Vetted Biz, who you've gotten to know um, from the conference in Orlando, right? Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Him and his brother have a, a, a great platform and, um, you know, you'll learn all about them next week, but a great tool um, that we use that when we go to help refer people to buy franchises, I use a lot of their information too, because very much like us, we use work ag agnostic, right? We don't favor one brand or, or another. Um, they have a lot of great information. They do a ton of research to just kind of give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about all the different brands out there. So that'll be a great interview. Exactly, which is what pillars, you know, that's an underlying value of pillars is not to be personally invested, but to be invested in what our clients need and want um, to help them become successful in their very own unique paths. Yep. So, so awesome. Yeah, next week, um, David. David. Hello. David, my back. I had a massage today, but you know what? She told me I should probably go to a chiropractor. There you go. Yeah, so with that, I'm kind of wondering how things are going. Yeah, so, um, you know, kind of 
dovetails in everything everybody's talking about today. So I thought, you know, one of the things um, that really kind of sometimes gets lost in, in the message is when someone is deciding, you know, to open up their own business, they really don't know. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know how long it's going to take. They don't know how much money it's going to take, right? Yep. And, you know, so what I've learned over the years, it's always going to take longer than you think it's going to take, and it's always going to cost more than you think it's going to cost. So, <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> you know, so I was sitting there thinking about this, and I'm sure there's people that are listening going, all right, I keep hearing, you know, Elizabeth said this, and, and, every, and, and, and Kristen and Jerry and Dave and all these, just, you know, hey, when you're ready to make the move, let us know. And well, when does that happen? And and when am I going to be ready? And and boy, I'm not really ready today. And so I just want to put some some kind of parameters around that to say, look, you know, we're going through this journey now. It's kind of what, what I'm doing now. I say, okay, I decided to make the leap again. Yep. Go ahead and invest in another franchise and, and, and open another business. And and just so I just kind of want to give people some framework of where of where that all stands. So I sold my business, my original business, in September of 2020. So decided I wasn't sure what I was going to do, wasn't sure what I was going to do, wasn't really looking. Started looking and thinking about, all right, I, I kind of want to do something else, but I don't know what it's going to be, just like most people. Right. And it was around January, February, February, March, somewhere around there, um, I started to explore some concepts. One of them happened to be the joint. Okay, so think about this. So I began to explore it in March. And as with anything, going, okay, sounds interesting. Let me gather more information. Let me gather more information. Let me talk some more. Let's see what territories are available. Mm -hmm. By the time you get through all that, you're still working your job, right? Okay, in my case, I wasn't. But say, in my initial franchise, I was. So I'm still yep. working my job. So you can do this type of work while you're still employed and earning your income, which is extremely important for a lot of reasons. And we've oh. touched about it in the past, but especially if, as Jerry mentioned, financing and those types of things. Yeah. So, so it's really important, but, but okay. So that doesn't cost you anything but time mm -hmm. to explore, to get knowledge, to, to get guidance through this process. So, okay. I was able to skip some steps because of experience, but, Let's call it March that I, in earnest, said, okay, I'm going to look into this thing. Right. Well, by the time I spoke with someone like Jerry and, and a couple of people across the country, went and visited a location, sat down with the regional developers, spoke with corporate, was, and during that time, reviewed the FDD, all those things, all those months going by. Mm -hmm. Now we get to the point where, okay, I feel comfortable enough to move forward, and I end up signing that agreement in August. So think about that. That was six months from when I said, hey, I'm going to start looking at, at a business yep. opportunity. And I looked at a bunch of them that we've had on this show. Every time we have one on the show, I'd pull it up and I'd start <laughs> evaluating. I mean, that's just the way it is. And there's still some I have on my list for future. Don't get me wrong. Right. We've had some great <laughs> concepts on the show. Um, so then, so say February, I sign in, in August. I finally get comfortable and sign an agreement in August. That's six months. So then a month later, I signed a lease for, you know, for, for the business. So mm -hmm. that took another month. However, that was extraordinary, truthfully. 
part of the reason why I signed that agreement was in August was I knew I had an opportunity at a lease space. If I wouldn't have had that opportunity, I might not have signed that agreement right away. Well, and David, I think what you told me too is that you had some assistance finding that space too, right? Didn't your, was it your franchisor that helped you with that? The, well, real estate broker in the area. I mean, that's okay. one of the first things that we would advise is, is don't, don't drive. I mean, you could drive the market you want, whatever, but a real estate broker is going to intimately know that market. And right. what they're going, I mean, if you're going to drive around, you're going to look for four lease signs. A great real estate broker knows which spaces are coming available right now that are already active. And so that's, that's the key to that is you want to get a great real estate broker. Otherwise you're just, you're flipping a coin and, and probably hoping it's going to land on the edge, not even heads or tails if you're going to do it yourself, right? Sure. I mean, the, the odds of you picking a great location by yourself are Well, and that does not mean getting your aunt or your best friend or whomever that you nope. happen to know as a realtor, because a, a residential realtor doesn't necessarily make no. the right broker for I, commercial property, correct? I'm not even sure they can cross over, to be honest with you. I don't know what their licensings are, but but yeah, you want a commercial broker, commercial real estate broker. But the point being is, so now I signed a lease and, and, and uh, I wrote that down. I signed that in, August, uh, in September. So now it's been seven months. So now what happens? Okay, I have to get plans drawn. So it takes time. Find the architect, draw the plans. And then the plans might take, let's just call it four weeks. Then they have to go out for bid. Maybe it takes a couple of weeks to, for two or three contractors to come back, give you pricing. Then you hit the holidays and nobody wants to work because everybody's, you know, closing shop. At, at, well, they're, they're working, but they're, they've got a drink and right. cookies on the table. Right? So the last two, <laughs> weeks, uh, last two weeks of December kind of go away. So now you go in and, and you've got to order equipment. Well, I just ordered some equipment. They're saying it's 10 to 12 weeks lead time. Well, okay, worst case scenario, that's three more months. So now by if, if that hits and if everything goes well, we get the permits, the construction's on time, the, the equipment comes in and we open up sometime in March, call it, that means I was in this process for over a year before we opened. And that's kind of what I want everybody to think about is everybody thinks I'm going to open a business and they think, oh, shoot, it's it's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. It, quit, it's quit not my job. going to. Yeah, it's not <laughs> going to. Yep. Well, and, and, and when I did open the very first one, I mean, my, my, when I was young and, you know, 28 years ago, when I first did that, it was a blessing that I still had my job because yeah. I was, whatever money I was able to make and save, I was saving towards the opening of the business. So it gave me another year right. to save up while I was going through this process. Sure. Well, and life continues, right? You still have kids going to school and you yeah. still have sports and you still have all these other things happening and you don't want to have to start dipping into your savings to live on. And quite frankly, when they're doing plans and the buildout is happening, you really don't have much to do. You're kind mm -hmm. of in downtime, right? So, yeah, you know. It's crazy. It's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, the process is crazy. You'll go through stretches where, just going like what's going on why isn't this moving and then all of a sudden it goes a thousand miles an hour for like two weeks and then yeah. it slows down again and then a thousand i need this i need that i need this i'm like, like you got to be kidding me what happened can we can we put this at a better pace that's the way it works yeah yeah well i think it's really interesting and i think so what do you think david i mean if if you had to give it your best guess 
And now we know, so this year, right, we've got supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. So 10 to 12 weeks, okay, maybe that actually happens. Who knows? Something maybe. could happen. Things could get delayed even further. But if you had to throw that dart at the dartboard again, you think it's going to take you from from kind of 9, 9.20 when you sold Buffalo Wild Wings to the time you actually open your first joint. How long do you think that'll be? Do you think it's going to be a year and a half? Well, you know, right now we, we, we had to put a target down, so we're, we're shooting towards uh, March. March, okay. So, so a couple, you know, we're hoping that, uh, you know, we're, we can kind of twist some arms on that uh, lead time on the tables and see if we mm -hmm. get those a little bit quicker. Um, and then, truthfully, the only real hang-up at this point in time would be um, the permitting process. If we can get the permits through pretty quickly, construction's not that big of a deal. I mean, if we get a, have a good contract, right? That's, we don't yep. know until they get in there and start swinging hammers. But um, if we have a good contract and they knock it out in four to six weeks, the lead time comes in, you know, March is pretty realistic, you know? And yep. in the meantime, you're still doing all the hiring, the pre-open pre marketing, right. all those types of things. So that's fine. That's on me. I, I, that's in my control. I can do that stuff. Right. Um, what's out of our control is, you know, the stuff, you know, the lead times, the permitting process, you know, and, and hopefully the contractor does a good job. So we're still looking at March, um, right. and that's the goal. And uh, okay. if it happens, thrilled. But, you know, we're going to go through this process. So to be honest with you, for those listening, you're going to hear, I'm sure, things that have gone on, on you know, on as according to plan, on target. Mm -hmm. And you're going to hear some things where, you're gonna, where you, I'm going to come on and go, oh, man. <laughs> We're way behind, or this happened, or we screwed this up, or that. and 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 that's good because that's part of the process. Yeah, yeah, it's part yeah. of the process. So absolutely, it's, it's good. It's good to go through it. So anybody that goes through it, that's listening and decides to make the leap, you know, and and things are, are going a little sideways on you. Go, yeah, I remember listening and went sideways on Dave and went sideways on Jerry before that. And it it goes sideways sometimes, but you, you pull it together. It always. It always comes through at the end, so you don't, don't really sweat it too much. Well, you know, we always want to say that you heard it here first, and you heard it for real, the good, the bad, and the ugly right here on Pillars of Franchising, right? Okay. Absolutely. Thank you again, David. Yep. And we'd like Anytime. To say, absolutely. And we wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, obviously, we'll see you hopefully again next week. But um, I am Kristen Chalmessy. We'd like to thank Nancy Corpenning for coming on the show today. Uh, please be sure to like and share and comment on this episode. We do know that we have some issues with uh, YouTube today, but that will be posted back up here in the next couple of days. As always, thank you to Ray Pillar, Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentors, for their insight and wisdom. I'm Kristen Chalmessi, your fourth Million Dollar Mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. We hope you buy and grow your franchise to make your dreams a reality. And this has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. Merry Christmas to you all. Happy holidays, and we'll see you again next week on Pillars of Franchising. Build it up, 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 build it up